I want you to think about these words. Silence. Just with your heads bowed, eyes closed, and heart ever attentive to Christ right now and to His Spirit's work. What comes to your mind when you think of of silence? Maybe it's an empty house. Maybe it's a lonely place. What about solitude? Maybe these words are so foreign from you that you can't even imagine what that looks like. Stillness. Not just stillness on the outside where you're not physically moving, but stillness on the inside. Where even the slightest wind blow of the Spirit across your life, it is, it is a hundred decibels because you are still, because you are calm. What about solitude? What about waiting? These are foreign words in the style and the manner in which we live in this world. We've lost them in the fast pace, get it done culture where innovation of electricity has only made our nights turn to days and internet and longer and television more and Father God, I thank you for these moments of stillness. These moments where we can wait. We can be quiet. Father, more than just a quiet from the noises of this world and children and everything else out there, but Lord, I pray that we would find in our spirits a a calmness, a stillness, so that we can seek you and be with you. Lord, we bless you and we thank you for moments like these. We pray that you will be our teacher and that we will hear you in a beautiful way today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As you think about your life and my life together today, about the fast-paced, busy busyness that we live in and craziness sometimes that we live in, we spend so much time maybe sometimes developing the business or developing the world around us or developing uh, our children or developing that we sometimes fail to develop ourselves. And we don't even know how to, to develop ourselves. Now, this is not a let's become self-centered, gaze at our navel kind of message, okay? But it is a message that I think we have to stop and reflect on our lifestyles and, and how sometimes because of our lifestyles we miss God. Um, sometimes because of the demands of our, our, of our world and the, the ringing bells and the squeaking wheels that we just miss Him. We just absolutely Miss God. I mean, even this week in preparing for this message, and I have been preparing for this message for two weeks, and, and I knew going into this week what I was going to be talking about. But even then, I was still struggling to be still, to find solitude, to find myself willing to wait for God. 
I found myself even multitasking with God. Multitasking with the CEO of the universe. And, you know, I have my phone by me. I have my computer on over there. And I maybe have my to-do list over here beside me. And, and then I have my Bible open. And if I think of a to-do list item, I go ahead and jot it down real quick because I don't want to forget it. And, and you know, I, I hear the, the, the bell ring of, a, of an Internet sound far, far off in, in the distance. And I have this beckoning in my spirit that I need to go check it out. As if God isn't quite as important as spam. You know, I think we have an attention deficit disorder in our spiritual life. I think we struggle with that. I'm a doer. I'm one who has a hard time sitting still. I, I find it a lot easier to be doing something and thinking that I'm doing something for God than to actually be still and to wait on God. Sometimes when you bring up the word solitude or silence or meditation, it conjures up some Eastern mysticism kind of fear that we might be going off some kind of strange tangent. Solitude is one of those words, when you look it up in the thesaurus for other words that might line up with it, the synonyms that go with that word, you'll find the word loneliness. You'll find the word isolation. These are words that we don't like. We don't gravitate to loneliness. We don't run to isolation. In fact, we go to isolation when you're in trouble. They put you in detention. They, they, they put you in solitary confinement. These are things that we, that we don't want to go to. Sometimes we tend to gravitate towards the noise, gravitate towards the activity, gravitate towards the energy of life, and we miss maybe a very beautiful opportunity in which God wants to speak to us. In a day where we have Flickr, faxes, emails, Twitter, Texas box instant messages, cell phones, 500 TV stations, unexpected guests, sick children and crying babies. It's really hard to find solitude and stillness and find ourselves waiting. I was, I was blessed by a challenge this past week in reading uh, on, on the Internet, of course, where you get your information uh, today, and how... This Joe Carter is a guy who, who blogs, and he, he actually encouraged people to take one day off every week from technology, from television, from the Internet, from the cell phone, from everything. He said, what is, he said it will revolutionize your, your, your thought in that one day. And this is what he said. He said, after drinking from the fire hose of information, a day without infotech, will seem like a year-long drought. But by unplugging the God, little g, God of technology, you might, find so, uh, you might find something new in the pause. I like that phrase, in the pause. A still small voice sharing the information that truly matters. When we turn off the, the God of technology and we live in a pause, whatever that pause may look like for us. When we live in the pause of, of the busyness of life and we stop at the noise of life and the demands of life and the rings and the bell tones of life, then we'll stop this world for just a few moments. And oh my lands, what might God say in the pause? What might God say to us? We started a message last week in, in a series of messages called Essentials. 
And this message series has been going in my heart and in my mind for several months. Well before my sabbatical, I just thought, when I come back, what is it that we need to focus on, zero in on? And I came up with the simple word, essentials. Every day, every, everywhere, everybody, you don't care who you are, if you, these are the essentials of life. The essentials that if we're really going to, I think, become all that God would have us to become, that these essentials we must lock in on. In fact, we raised the bar last week as we kind of laid it out in Luke 9.23 when Jesus said, if you're really going to be serious about following me, there's some things that we've got to do. In fact, I want us to read this verse together out loud. Luke 9.23, if anyone comes after me, read it with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, we talked about last week, the first part of that is a very important part. You've got to get yourself off center stage. It's no longer about you or me anymore. It's now about something far bigger and that something being God. And, okay, I'm denying myself. It's not about me. Now, that's a, that's a point-in-time decision that I make. I have to make it every day, yes. But it's one of those times that I need to make that, that, that final cut from myself being God and let God be God. But there's also that every day taking up our cross, that every day identifying with Christ. And what does that look like? How does that flesh itself out? And for the rest of this series of messages, I, I, I want us to look at every day what that would look like. Every day, everybody, everywhere would need to practice these elements. One of those would be learning how to hear. That's an essential in life. Learning how to hear. Learning to know, knowing what to hear, knowing what not to hear, knowing how to tune in to God. I can't tell you the number of times people have talked to me about trying to discern God's will for their life. I, I guess I'm just kind of seen as God Junior sometimes, and so they think if anybody's going to be close to God, He's going to know, and I'll go to Him and ask Him, and He'll tell me what God's will is for my life. And I don't have any clue either. But learning how to hear and learning how to walk and learning how to to live and learning how to make those day-to-day decisions is vitally important. And how we learn to hear is partly turning off all the noises out there and finding solitude and silence. Long enough till we might feel a little uncomfortable. Long enough until we might be able to push out the other noises of our life. You can jot this down if you want to. A constant connection without will lead to a state of poverty within. A constant connection without in your life, connected to the world, connected to people in your family, connected, 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 connected to people and things and noises and sounds and voices. A constant connection without will lead to a state of poverty within. Referred to Mother Teresa last week and again this week because when Mother Teresa was traveling through America at one point in her her life and ministry, she was speaking to the American culture and I think she understood us very well when she said that the greatest poverty, the greatest poverty is the poverty of the Spirit. And she says that's what America has. 
is a poverty of the spirit to where we are so wealthy without. We're so information. We've got so much knowledge. But our spirits are bankrupt. What does silence and solitude look like for you? Have you ever seen it? Do you know what it feels like? Do you know have you ever lived in it for a period of time? My challenge for you, I have a a big challenge that I want you to take, a 35-day challenge, that's from now till Easter, that you will take just a a portion of your day, that you would give the first one one one-hundredth of your 16 hours awake in a day. You would give that first one one one-hundredth of a 16-hour day to God. You would give it to Him in silence, in solitude, and in Scripture. All right? I think there's a slide for that, guys, if we go there. Uh, I want this to be a challenge for you, that you will take one one-hundredth of your 16-hour day. Now, what does that look like? What would that be? One one-hundredth of a 16-hour day would be 10 minutes. Now, if I said, if I said take take one one-hundredth of your day, then that's not that much. But if I say, take ten minutes, just take ten minutes and just give God silence, solitude, and Scripture. And allow God to begin to do something in your life. And again, I, I must say this is not natural. Gene Fleming says it like this, We live in a noisy, busy world. Silence and solitude are not 21st century words. They fit in, they fit the era of Victorian lace. High button shoes and kerosene lamps better than they do the age of television, video games, joggers wired to earphones. We have come, we have become a people with an aversion to quiet and uneasiness with being alone. I want you to take your Bibles and be finding the book of Mark chapter 1. Because you don't have to look very far before you see that the Son of God, the very God who created the heavens and the earth, found it a priority in His life to set aside time. To set aside time in His life and in His day. And this is, (laughs) you want to talk about somebody busy, Jesus was a busy man. Jesus couldn't even walk through the crowds without people reaching out and touching His garment and healing them. Jesus was, a, was the guy that whenever he got in the boat to go to the other side to get away from the crowds that were on this side of the ocean, by the time he got to the other side, faster than the Internet could carry the message across, there were people on the shoreline waiting for Jesus to get out of the boat. This man was in high demand. He had, high, he had, he had a lot of people calling on him, a lot of people wanting to be with him, a lot of people that he had. He was a person who could raise people from the dead and could walk on water. His days were very full, but yet in the midst of the fullness of his day, He found it as a priority for times of solitude, times of silence. And I would say Scripture, but He is the Scripture. He is the Word, okay? So He had time to listen to God, the Father. He had time to organize His thoughts that would later become His words in Scripture for us. So He had time for silence, for solitude, and for Scripture. Take your Bibles and look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. And we have this passage of Scripture, and it says, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went away to a secluded place. 
and was praying there, and Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. And he went into their synagogues and throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. Now I want, hopefully today, to set you on course for the next 35 days that will actually set you on course for the rest of your life, that you will see this as an essential element of your life, and that you'll make it a priority for solitude, silence, and Scripture every day of your life. And I think to do that, I think, is to pick apart and to kind of pull apart what the benefits that Jesus received and experienced and the benefits that we can receive and experience as we find these times for solitude, silence, and Scripture. Jot them down real quickly. Number one, the first benefit that I see in this passage is that there are private moments with God. Again, do I need to go on any further that, that Jesus was a man of high demand? He was a man that wanted people, lots of people wanted to be with and hang with. He was impacting people all around Galilee region. And there were an estimated 3 million people. Jesus was very popular. But Jesus, being the man-God that he was, the God-man that he is, he still needed time with God the Father. He still found time to be with God the Father. He made that a priority. Now, how are you in the morning? Are you one of those who says, good morning, Lord, or, oh, Lord, it's morning? You know, how do you approach your day as it gets started? I think there's several things that you need to see in verse 35 real quickly about private moments with God. And one of those is that we need to set aside a time. There needs to be a time. What is that time? It says in verse 35, it says, early morning while it was still dark. Now, I have become convinced in my life that Jesus is a, or God is a morning person. God, excuse me. God is a morning God, all right? Now, when you really look at it, you, you don't sleep in eternity, so he's all the time God, all right? But it seems like God is more active in the morning than he is in the night for me because it seems like it's at 2 and 3 and 4 in the morning that I tend to wake up to think about the things that maybe God may be saying to me. And then I came across this verse, and this solidified. God is a morning God. Isaiah 50, verse 4, it says, He awakens me morning by morning, awakens my ear to listen like one being taught. The problem is is that some of us aren't teachable, so we can't be taught. So therefore, when God wakes us up, we want to fight and push and take the drugs to go back to sleep so that we... But maybe... If we would get up, if it's just that one one hundredth of, of, of your day, just you lose that much of your sleep, just one, just ten minutes. Let's start there. Let's expand from there as God leads you. But let's start with just that ten minutes. Can we get up ten minutes more? Can we give up ten minutes of sleep? Can we turn off Leno ten minutes earlier or the news? There's nothing going on. The economy stinks. I'll tell you that. So you don't need to watch the news. Do you have a time? Early in the morning while it was still dark. He got up. It says in verse 35. And number two, there was a place. 
He left the house and he went away. He left the house and he went away. Now, I don't know if the houses, I know this for certain because of archaeology, the houses weren't as large as our houses today. But he had to go out because he had to get away from 12 guys, snoring guys probably. If he was ever going to hear, he had to get past the snore. All right? But he also had to get past the people and the other noises. And one of my favorite trips that I've ever traveled internationally is when I went to the Israel and toured the Holy Lands and, and I went to the Sea of Galilee and I pictured this moment right here. Whenever I got up early before everybody else and the sun was still down and I went and I sat on the shore of Galilee and the waves were not big and they were just ever so slightly just hitting, hitting the sides of the shore. But I had a beautiful time into this day that was 15 years ago plus that I was there. I, I can remember those moments. I felt as if God was there. And I believe He was. And you know what? I can have that same experience at my house in Rogers. I don't have to be on the shores of Galilee, but I do have to have a time. I do need a place. I need to find a place. And you know what? The great thing is, oh, there's always noise and people moving through the house. If you're the first one up, there isn't. You typically have the whole house, and it's typically pretty quiet. Find a time, find a place. There's an atmosphere that Jesus is looking for. When he has this time with God, there's an atmosphere. He went to a secluded place. A place where he could get alone. A place where there wasn't noise. He unplugged from life. A challenge for some of you today may be to take one day or maybe one week. Or if you wanted to extend it out, 35 days if you could dare live without it of cell phone, of internet, and literally fast from some technology form. If you just can't get away from your TV programs, you might turn those off and use those times for your seclusion, your times for solitude, your times to be alone. Psalm 62, 1 and 2, verse, in verse 5, says, My soul waits in silence for God only. From Him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, I shall not be greatly shaken. My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. Finding a place of seclusion and solitude is very important for private moments with God. Is this mystical? Yes, it is. Is this, is this difficult? only as difficult as we make it. If we will find time, if we will make a place, if we will develop an atmosphere or an environment of solitude and silence, I believe God will speak louder than He would if He was to write it on the wall. Charles Swindoll said in his book, a little book called Intimacy with God, with the Almighty, Noise and crowds have a way of siphoning our energy, distracting our attention, and making prayer an added chore rather than a comforting relief. Jesus also had an agenda that when he got there, he wanted to be in communication with the Father. He had an agenda. 
And the agenda was praying. It says in verse 35, Early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up, He left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. I don't know how you do with the noises of your life and the, 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 the reality that you could be meeting with the God of the universe every morning and that He wants to meet with you. But the problem is I'm afraid we have filled our life with so many other voices and so many other noises that we cannot distinguish the voice of God. We've, we've, we've crowded it with our own presuppositions, with our own prejudices, with our own, whether it's media or it's within ourselves. We are failing to hear God's voice. When we get with Him, listen. Say, Lord, I'm not here to tell you all about me. I'm here to listen to you. I can remember a time when I was trying my best to get with one of the biggest mentors of my life. And here he was, a man of tremendous global influence. And I wanted to get with him. And I pulled every string. I worked every network. I wrote him every letter I could write. I, for for no, no less than five years, I was writing this guy. Finally, at the end, well, obviously, he, he said, yes. So I'll give you 30 minutes. I have 30 minutes here. You come at this time. We'll meet together. And you know what? When I got there, it wasn't my goal to impress him. Remember, he was my mentor. I just wanted to hear him. I just wanted to hear what wisdom he could give me. And all I did was ask questions. What about this? If I do this, this, and this, what are your thoughts? What am I missing? Because what was, I, what was I doing? This man had tremendous influence with presidents, with kings, with people throughout. And, and it's my job to go in and talk? No, it's my job to go in and listen and learn. Every morning, I have an opportunity and I have an appointment with God. And I need to push out all the other noises so that I can meet with Him. In silence... Solitude in Scripture. On your way in today, you got there was available for you earplugs, and it wasn't because the band was going to be extra loud today. But I, I welcome you to take these with you on your way out today. If you don't already have them, you can even use them here in a few moments. But the point being, is I want you to be reminded that we have to take initiative to block out the noises of this world because they're all around us. The second thing I want you to see, the benefit of silence, solitude, and Scripture, is that it's protected time from the world. It's a protected time from the world. Now, Lori and I have picked up a little uh, hobby that we enjoy doing as much as we can, and it's not very often that we can do it, but we enjoy diving. And recently we were in Cozumel, and, and we were diving, and we were able to... Uh, to see some beautiful things in God's creation. In fact, the eel that you see in this photo is actually an eel that I spotted, and it's about a six-foot-long moray eel. And you just get real close to them, not too close, but real close to them, and, and you look at them, and you're seeing sharks, and you're seeing this, you know, 
two-thirds of the world is underwater. So, you know, there's a whole, there's a, there's a lot more underwater than, than above water, okay, above the shoreline. And so there's a whole world out there to, to explore. And, and, then, and then here, Lori and I are, are, are diving there together, and it was, it was beautiful. But one of the things that you've got to realize that whenever you're diving, you can't just stay down there, okay? You run out of air. But not only that, that whenever you're running out of air and you get so many PSIs in, in your tank, you've got to come up. And when you come up, because you can be down 60, 80, 90, 100 feet below the surface of the earth very quickly, very easily, and not even be aware of it. But you need to have a safety stop because in your blood, you're building up nitrogen. And if you're not careful and you surface too fast, you can get the bends. You, may, you have to go to the decompression chamber. There's all kinds of physical things that can happen to you if you surface too fast. And what they say is you've got to stop about 15 feet for several minutes so that you can off-gas, okay, the nitrogen so you can let it off. And you can't just continue on your normal path of ascension. Let me tell you this. I tell you that because you can't just continue to ascend in this world. You need to stop. You need to have times in your life where you let off the steam, let off the gases, let off the the other things that you picked up along the way through your life. You need to have time to... Put those things aside because those things that we collect through life are the very things that will hold us down and will keep us unhealthy and hold us back. The disciples always wanted to be with Jesus. And when they woke up this morning and Jesus wasn't there, they didn't know what they were going to do because all of a sudden everybody was there looking for him. Look at this verse, verse 36 and 37. It says, Simon and his companions searched for him. They were searching for Jesus. And this word search is literally to, to take after something with hostile intent. They weren't just, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus. I mean, they were out for Jesus. Where are you at? You didn't tell us you were going away. You didn't tell us you were going into, in, into seclusion and solitude. You didn't tell us this. Now, I have a question for you. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you all feel like these next words that the disciples say describe your life? This is what they said. Everyone is looking for you. Do you ever have a hard time getting alone? Do you ever have a hard time when it's, I mean, the children are looking for you, the phone is ringing, work is looking for you, everybody's looking for you, and you can't get alone. Jesus got alone. He found solitude. He found silence. He got alone. One of the things that I've learned in my years of ministry and this is just a personal proverb of mine, and that, is, and that is this. If I'm available all the time, I'm not worth much when I am available. I want you to think about that. If you're available or I'm available all the time, I'm really not going to be worth that much when I am available. problem is, is that people are constantly going to want you. They're going to constantly put demands on you. And you're going to have to say, stop, world. You need some protection time. You need some off-gassing time. You need, to, you need to be able to clear your mind and to connect with God time. I need that. You need that. Ecclesiastes 7.29 says it like this. He says, God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. We have made ourselves very complicated. 
Billy Graham has, not, has been the most influential man on presidents in this world, spiritually speaking, since the mid-20th century. Up until Barack Obama, merely because of his health, he couldn't attend the inauguration. He's been a part of every president's inauguration since Eisenhower. There was one time when Eisenhower's office actually called Billy Graham and wanted to speak with him. It was early in the morning, and he wanted, he wanted Dr. Graham to pray for him. And Dr. Graham was at that time in a time of solitude, silence, and Scripture. And so, because the president's calling, his assistant comes to Dr. Graham's study knowing that really shouldn't be here, shouldn't do this, but knocks gently on the door and says, the president would like to speak with you. And so he said, tell him I'll call him back. Now, um, that didn't set well with a former general uh, that the president would tell, the pre- uh, excuse me, that, that a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist would tell the president, I'll call you back. So when he did, he said, what were you doing? You know, you know, he tried to be real nice about it, but yet at the same time kind of hold him accountable. If I'm going to call you, I want you to be available. And he said, well, listen, I realized that if the President of the United States was calling me this early in the morning, that I needed to spend a few extra moments with God to make sure I could give you the counsel that I knew you might need. Now, what if we were to take that approach with our jobs? You know, if I'm really going to go lead people today and lead my company to new levels and heights, if, I, if I'm really going to teach students in the classroom today, if I'm really going to affect change in this world, if I'm really going to make a difference in life, I need to spend a few extra moments with God. Everyone will be looking for you. Everyone will be looking for you. But you need to protect your time from the world. Three keys to private moments with God. Jot them down real quickly. Number one, resist. Don't answer the phone. Don't answer the emails. And you know what? If you put these earplugs in, you won't even hear the kids. So, and I won't tell DHL on you either. But you also need to relax. In these times with God, it doesn't need to be fast, fast paced living. It needs to be a relaxing moment. Look at these verses. In Mark, do we have them? There we go. Mark 30, it says, Mark 6.30, it says, The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. See, the disciples had been out doing this great work. They got with him, and he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in the boat, to a secluded place by themselves. What should we do as we live out our busy lives in this world, not even having time to eat at times? The best thing we could do is pull aside, rest and relax in the presence of God. And then the last thing we should do in this, in this time with God is to reflect. To reflect. What does that look like? That looks like a time to examine yourself. David said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my way. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. Paul said, examine yourself to make sure you're of the faith. The problem is, is that we're so crazy in the noises of this world. We're so caught up in that that we sometimes miss God's still small voice.
know, the message doesn't end there. It beautifully goes on because there's another benefit. You have private moments with God. In those private moments with God, there are also protected times away from the world. But hopefully, your purpose will be renewed while you're there. See, Jesus did not have any problem winning the popularity contest. I guess if there was Time Magazine in, in about year 30, or 31 or 32 A.D., Jesus would have been man of the year. No doubt. Hands down. Everybody loved him. Everybody wanted to be with him. Everybody is looking for you, Jesus. He couldn't get away from the crowds. But when he did, in fact, even the people of Capernaum where he was at that time, they wanted more of Jesus. They couldn't get enough of Jesus. But Jesus was reminded in his time of solitude in Scripture, if you will. He was reminded of his purpose. Because it says in verse... Again, verse 37, everyone is looking for you. And and then in verse 38, Jesus replies, he says, let us go somewhere else. Let us go somewhere else. Why? Why go somewhere else? we got something good happening here. This gig's working for us. Right here. Why go anywhere else? He said, let's go somewhere else in the towns nearby so that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. See, he now has a renewed sense of where he belongs. It had been real easy to stay with the crowd. It had been real easy to stay with the movement that was going on right there. But he knew after his time of silence and solitude that he had other places to go. Luke 4.43 says it like this, I must preach the kingdom of God in other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. I think understanding our purpose and reliving it and renewing it day by day only comes when we can block out the noises of this world and tune in to the voice of God. If we constantly stay connected, we will have poverty. Connected without, we'll have poverty within. I hope that your heart is ripe and ready for times of solitude, silence, and Scripture for the next 35 days. Make that commitment with us. And let God renew your purpose for life.